0: What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast. As always, I'm Justin Michael. Hope everybody enjoyed their Labor Day. I was off technically, but did follow the press conference for CSU football remotely. In a second here, I'll talk about what kind of stood out about what Jay said in that one. And we'll get into some thoughts on CU. They certainly are better than expected. That said, naturally, there's going to be some overreactions I'll talk about kind of why the the Prime Method does work in in Boulder, but isn't necessarily going to be the fix-all solution for every program. We'll do a brief Mountain West recap where we just kind of go around the conference and, you know, talk about who's hot, who's not. And then at the end, I will talk about my top 25 for week one, talk about who dropped out, who jumped in, the biggest risers and fallers, all that. In the intro, though, I did just briefly want to talk about uh, social media and to just be cognizant of of what you post. There was a controversial tweet. Not going to point out the individual because it's it's really not about them. I'm not trying to, you know, crap all over that person or make it about them. There's plenty of examples that you could use to do this, but just don't tag players, guys. There was a controversial tweet, basically saying CSU football had been you know, crappy for the last 20 years since Sonny Lubick. That part, pretty much fair. But it also tagged Jack Howell and Tory Horton and, and encouraged them to transfer. And that is just too far. It's crossing the line, guys. I mean, first of all, it doesn't even make any sense. If you are, in fact, a supporter of the program, why would you want to do anything or say anything to encourage some of the best players in the program to leave? That just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get that. But even looking past the lack of logic here from a CSU fan's perspective, I just, I just don't get it. Like, why would, why would you think that's an appropriate thing to do to tag undergrad students? It's a lot like tweeting negative things at 17-year-olds when they commit to a different college than the one you support. It's just weirdo behavior. I'm not telling you that you can't be frustrated, that you shouldn't be frustrated, that you can't even be upset. I mean, it was a very frustrating week one game, especially with how much excitement there was for this season, the hope that things were going to be different. We're all tired of CSU being a letdown. I mean, we are. I, I get it. And it's easy to go too far during the heat of the moment. I'm certainly not perfect. There are times I tweet something in the moment and then I regret it. But I just implore everyone to be cognizant of what you post on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of it, because it does make an impact. The players see it, guys. They do. I mean, I saw Tori Horton on Instagram repost, you know, something making fun of CSU, basically saying at least they can't lose this week because it's the bye. And you know, Tori shared it with a message that was, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically like, "SMH, should be your own people. I wish we didn't even have fans. I just want my teammates." And again, I I get why people are frustrated, but you got to remember, these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. The social media, it matters to them. It's not just posts. not going to tell people they shouldn't be upset about how things played out in this one, but just don't cross the line. Don't do things that would potentially encourage players to leave. Don't do things that recruits are going to see and think to themselves, is this really an environment that I want to be a part of. It's just something to consider. That's all I'm saying. And I I do think it's an element that, especially older generations who don't necessarily put as much value into social media, who, you know, grew up without it. And it's not so much a part of their lifestyle, their, their self-worth. It's just easy to go too far. Don't tag players unless it's positive. Don't engage and argue with the families of players or families of coaches. I mean, of course they're going to defend their family. I sure as hell would. But that's my two cents. Going to get up off my soapbox here. Uh, let's get into what stood out from the Norvell presser most significantly being that it's going to be Claymillan that starts at CU. Not surprised. The quarterback play certainly needs to be better. But as I said, on Saturday and Sunday night, at this point, you've invested far too much in Clay to pull the plug this early. He has the most natural arm talent of, of any of the quarterbacks and technically the most experience within the system. Norvell came out Monday, essentially took all the responsibility for the game, which is very, I don't know, it, it's nice. I mean, Adazio never would have done that. Basically said they they called it a certain way Mentioned they had some real issues a year ago, a lot of negative plays. We all remember that. Probably kept things a little too close to the vest early on in the game. Thought defensively that they would be able to hold up better against Washington State. That was not the case. But here's what Norvell had to say. As a staff, I want to take responsibility for this game. We called it a certain way. We had some real issues a year ago where we made a lot of negative things happen, and we were really wanting to go into this season not beating ourselves. Doing that, we played a little close to the vest. Uh, later on, said, I had a great talk with Clay. We got to put ourselves in a better position to use our playmakers out there. I've got to do a better job of getting them involved early. And so I guess we'll just have to see how this all plays out. This was definitely Norvell walking back a little bit, what he said on Saturday night, where he probably said a little bit too much just in terms of not liking the look in Clay's eye really credited Braden mentioned that he felt like there were some opportunities to kind of open up the offense and they failed to execute this time around, you know, he's taking more of the blame. I'm not saying he threw clay under the bus on Saturday or anything like that. I just, I respect a coach coming out and basically protecting his guy. It's what he should do. That said, they got to get things figured out offensively. They've got way too much talent at the skill positions to not get some of these guys involved. And they know it. I mean, they know it. They know they're too good to play as poorly as they did in in that last game, really on both sides of the ball. There were moments of strength from the defense. You know, the the goal line stand, they forced a couple of turnovers. But there were also way more blown coverages than I expected. I thought the pass rush would be more consistent. Third down execution both ways was not good got to run the ball better got to prevent some of the drops I mean there's a lot of different things they need to do better and do better quickly outside of quarterback play but a lot of it really is going to come down to the quarterback and like I said the other night I I feel like they've got to get this offense kind of ironed out by the end of week three at the latest because some of these games are pivotal to your season if you want to sneak into a bowl game we knew there was a chance that they could start 0-2, and it was fairly realistic, even if CSU would have looked really good. Just playing a pair of Pac-12 teams, that was always on the table. You fall to Owen three, now all of a sudden you have to beat UNLV. You have to beat Utah State. You're you just you run out of leeway here. I'm not trying to write the Rams off before they even play the Rocky Mountain Showdown or anything like that. Obviously, you know, you still gotta play the game and I still like the spot CSU has coming off the bye. I still like that they're going to overlook the Rams. I mean, they care so much more about Nebraska. They've got Oregon and USC coming up after that. And frankly, as good as they looked offensively, they had just as many holes defensively, gave up 500-plus yards to an offense that didn't look stellar or anything. Anyways, we'll talk more about the buffs here in a second. But I do want to shout out Saturday Neon, a local company started by two friends and former college roommates. They make officially licensed Collegiate logo LED neon signs. Whether you're a diehard fan or a casual supporter, you're going to love the way these signs light up in CSU colors. Saturday Neon signs are made with high quality materials. They're backed by a two-year warranty. They're shipped with everything you need to mount, power, and dim, so every sign is easy to install and operate. They're officially licensed for 19 select schools, including CSU. Alabama, Wisconsin, Auburn, so many others. Great for offices, man caves, dorm rooms, basements, whatever. Go to SaturdayNeon.com, use the code DNVR for 10% off your order today. Free shipping for orders over $200. I also want to talk to you guys about Circa Resort and Casino, Vegas's first ever adult only casino resort. They have the world's largest sports book, a three story stadium style. It takes 10 people to operate the 78 million pixel screen. They have awesome food selection at Victory Burger and at a Project Barbecue. Tons of VIP options, including Club Upper, Club North, Lower, South Stands. There's a ton of options. You can check out the casino, which is a 7,000-square-foot casino, two levels, over 1,300 slots, 48 table games with dancing dealers. And, of course, the highlight of the joint, Stadium Swim. It is a 15,000-square-foot area of wet space. There's 143 by 40 foot LED screen so you can watch all the sports outside, chilling in the pool, you know, drinking a beverage. It's it's how the high life live. If you're heading out to Vegas for Broncos Raiders, for CSU UNLV, Avs Nights, whatever, maybe you're just going out there, book your stay at Circa Resort and Casino. Use the code DNVR for 20% off. Also, the Circa Sportsbook app is available for download in Colorado Download the app at circusports.com. Circa sports bets can be made only while physically located in the state of Colorado. Must be 21 or older, all rights reserved. Circusports Colorado encourages you to gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call or text 1 800 Gambler or visit problemgamblingcolorado.org. Finally, when you get hurt, Bax and Shanker is here to help. Bax and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They have been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. There's no upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. They've already won over a billion dollars for their clients, and they have locations that serve all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Backus & Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Backus & Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases where you weren't at fault, car accident, motorcycle, ride chairs, pedestrians, trucks, they can even help if you're injured at work. Call them at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax and Shanker wins. All right, let's talk about CU. First things first, so that people can't come at me and say that I'm a hater. I will openly admit they are significantly better, or they appear to be, at this stage of the rebuild than I thought that they would be. The speed that they have offensively is next level. Dylan Edwards is the type of home run hitter you expect to see at a program like Alabama or Georgia. He was electric. I mean, it was insane what he was able to do in his first college game ever. Travis Hunter is, he's as advertised. I honestly didn't think it was humanly possible to play at that high of a level on both sides of the football For 130 snaps or whatever he did. I mean, I I was super high on his talent. I said he was a first round pick. First time that I watched him, I said he looks like Justin Jefferson at receiver, and he still blew me away. That just shouldn't be possible. You should not be able to do that in the FBS and the Texas heat. I mean, it was wild. Shador Sanders was incredible as well. He looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And some of those throws he made. Just the ball placement. It's really impressive. He's the real deal. I, I don't know what else I can say to make it clear that I respect the talent of this team. I respect what they came out and did. Week one, I think TCU is probably a 500 team at best. They lost so much talent, but I'm not going to poo poo their win. They're, they're coming off a national championship appearance. They were 20 and a half point favorites. No matter how you look at it, it was a huge win for CU just like Wyoming beating Texas tech in double overtime. That was huge as well. You can point out the challenges of playing at altitude and, you know, defensively the red Raiders are a little bit flawed, but they, they they're a popular pick to make some noise in the big 12. I'm not going to sit here and, and try and poke holes in their, their big wins. Those were big wins. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if CU beats Nebraska and if Nebraska is as bad as I think they are, I wouldn't be surprised if game day comes to Boulder. It's an ESPN broadcast. The rest of the slate isn't that intriguing that day. ESPN's first Dion game, it it would make a lot of sense. I mean, at this point, I'm expecting it to happen. But I mean, hey, that that's exposure for CSU too. It would make an upset that much more sweet if they were able to somehow pull it off. But I just think it's funny to see the incredibly predictable overreactions from week one both ways i mean what happened in fort collins it was bad csu really underwhelmed but the sky isn't falling and it was pointed out to me on twitter the the rams lost some pretty bad games early on in 2013 too lost by two scores to his three or four win cu team lost to tulsa they blew it at san jose state at home things rarely click right off the bat. And I know seeing CU go out and win that game week one, that's salt in the wound, but that's the thing. Everybody is going to oversimplify this situation. They're going to look at what happened in Boulder and say, this is what you do now. If you're a new coach, you come in, you just get the entire roster top to bottom. But what that overlooks is the fact that he had a very unique relationship with Travis Hunter, a generational five-star talent, who happened to be willing to follow him. Oh, also, his son happens to be a really good quarterback. And because of the celebrity or the status that Dion has, he was able to flip Dylan Edwards from Notre Dame to CU. I mean, these these aren't normal things that occurred with this rebuild. Clearly, Dion was right in terms of they needed to upgrade the talent on their roster and offensively, no doubt that they did. Defensively, they they, you know, look like a team that has that many new bodies. I don't know. I just think it's both incredibly predictable and funny the way that we oversimplify these things and completely overlook very important factors. Not every coach that rolls into your town is going to be bringing a generational five-star player that can play both sides of the ball effectively for a hundred plus snaps, something I've never seen before. They're not going to have a Shador Sanders in their back pocket. And they're very likely, if you're coming off of a one in eleven season the way CU was outside of a coach like Deion Sanders, they're probably not flipping a player like Dylan Edwards from Notre Dame. This just isn't a one size fits all scenario. Anyways, that's my two cents on it all. I'm excited that the rivalry is back. I think it's gonna be a crazy atmosphere, obviously a really challenging game, but you know, in terms of Giants, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. You want to change the narrative for this program the way you've been talking about all throughout camp, all throughout the offseason, all last spring? Go out into Boulder, you know, punch him in the teeth. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Mountain West slate. It was a decent showing for the conference. I mean, a couple of big wins, a couple of underwhelming performances as well. I took Hawaii straight up to beat Stanford was was a bad pick. I mean, I just, I knew that Hawaii defensively is a mess. They're going to be able to move the ball on people, but until they prove that they can get a stop, that they can hold somebody under 30 points, they're going to be a tough team to pick outright moving forward. But it definitely would not surprise me if that team is able to win a couple of wonky shootouts in conference play quarterback, Braden Schrager, putting up big numbers through the air Nevada lost sixty six to fourteen at USC. Not a ton to take away from that one. I mean, pretty much went as expected. Brendan Lewis making his debut for the Wolf Pack wasn't a great day, but he did have a higher QBR than Clay Millen finished with. Uh, Boise State fell fifty six to nineteen at Washington. Coming into the season, I talked about. A couple of things with the Broncos. I said they're going to have a really strong backfield. You saw Ashton Gentry make a really nice play in this. He's going to be a stud. I, I think he's even better than Halani. But we also talked about their defense taking a step back and their secondary re- really, really struggled. I mean, Washington, they have a ton of talent. Penix is a stud. He's going to be in the Heisman conversation. Uh, Rome Udunze at wide receiver in the conversation, top two or three receiver in this upcoming class. But I do think you're going to be able to move the ball on Boise. I really do. I don't think they're quite as stout on that end, even with a defensive-minded coach. Going to be interesting. Uh, Texas A&M, they beat New Mexico 52-10. to 10. Not much to take away from that one as expected, especially out there. Utah State able to cover at Iowa 24-14. to 14. Pretty respectable, things considered. I'm going to be honest. I did not watch that game, but Cooper Legos actually had... Uh, The most passing yards with 213, of course, in an Iowa game, 213 passing yards is the leader. 93 receiving yards for Terrell Vaughn. That was probably the most significant thing to me in that matchup. Had a nice touchdown grab. Aggies were never going to win, but they didn't get embarrassed. And that's a team that I had a lot of question marks about coming in. Fresno State goes into Purdue, takes them down 39-35 in Mikey Keene's first start. Mikey Keene, UCF transfer quarterback, a guy that CSU actually went after. He had 366 yards. Eric Brooks, 170 receiving yards in his debut. Huge game for an offense that essentially had to replace all of its main contributors. Tadford's kind of getting to that territory now where it's just plug and play. It feels like Calhoun. You just assume that they're going to be a well-coached team that you don't want to fuck with. Air Force beat Robert Morris 42 to 7, unsurprising there as they should at the academy. UNLV takes care of business against Bryant 44 to 14. Bryant low key a decent offense, so I thought that was significant that the UNLV defense was able to take care of business there. CSU of course fell 50 to 24. Wyoming takes down Texas Tech 35-33 in double overtime. It was a thriller. I mean, Peasley to convert that throw in OT on on fourth and goal while just getting hit in in the teeth. I mean, took some serious stones, and he was awesome in that game. That's a quarterback who I dogged quite a bit coming into the season, and he stepped up in a major way. I still have some serious doubts about him as a passer, but that dude's a leader. He's willing to sacrifice his body. He runs around, and... On a big night, man, he stepped up when they needed it. Finally, San Diego State struggled with Idaho State, 36 to 28. I am still fading the Aztecs. They're two and zero, so they're doing their best to make me look dumb. But I just can't buy into that team. I don't think they're quite on the same level defensively. They're good, but I don't think they're great. And I just don't believe in Jalen Maiden as a passer. So yeah, that's my Mountain West week one recap. We're going to wrap up here with my top 25, but take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company, but they offer a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Shady Rays have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And what's awesome is they're protected by the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they're going to send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. You can shop their entire collection in person at the Park Meadows Mall, full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. If you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange for a new pair or just return them for free within 30 days. Again, no risk when you shop, they always have your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Also, you guys know that we love Breckenridge Brewery at DNVR, and that's because Breck has a beer for any occasion. There's no better way than watching college football and having an ice-cold Breck brew in hand. And lately, I've been all about that Breck Mountain Beach Sour perfect amount of sweetness, perfect amount of tartness. It just doesn't miss. If you're not a sour guy, I highly recommend the Avalanche Amber Ale. Their seltzer line is the best out there. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com. Find a brew near you. All righty, let's wrap up with my top 25. Not gonna go one to 25 and give them thoughts on every single team here, but just a couple of brief notes. Uh, Teams that dropped out of my preseason top 25, TCU, who I had at number 20, UTSA, who I had at number 22, they fell at Houston. They have a strong chance to jump back in in a couple of weeks, and uh, Boise State, who I had at number 23. Jumping in, I now have Colorado at 22. I have Ole Miss at 23, and Duke at 24. My biggest drop of the week, Clemson, who I had at 10 coming in. I have them at 25, which probably a little steep. 15 spots is a little harsh to fall for a, a true road loss. But, man, offensively, they, they look just as bad as they have the last couple of years. And defensively, they did not hold up the way that I thought they would. And, frankly, I, I can't put them ahead of, ahead of Duke, not when they just lost to them head-to-head, not at this stage of the season. As the year goes on, I get it. You know, your resume gets more complex. You know, you can make an argument for a team over another, even if they maybe lost to that team, but not week one. Not around here, partner. Not around here. All right, with that in mind, my top two remains untouched, Georgia one, Michigan two. Until I see those teams falter, going to be tough for me to change my opinion on that. At three, I have Bama jumping up from four, I have Florida State at four. They make the jump from five. I dropped Ohio State from three to five, still very high on them, but struggled a little bit at Indiana. Just felt like Alabama against middle Tennessee and Florida State, obviously against LSU, were more impressive. Uh, Penn State, decisive victory over West Virginia. They stay locked in at six. I have USC at seven, Washington at eight, Tennessee at nine, Utah jumps into the top 10. I have Notre Dame at 11, Oregon State 12. I had them at 14. They looked really good against San Jose State. Texas I have at 13, up from 15 in the preseason poll. Texas is a team that I, I really could see in the playoff picture, but I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And, and this game against Alabama going to be a great test. At 14, I have Oregon after they just destroyed Portland State up three spots from 17. I had them in the preseason poll. 15, I have Kansas State. 16, LSU, they dropped substantially. I had them seven, so they dropped nine spots after getting beaten pretty decisively by Florida State. If it would have been closer, I probably would have only dropped them to like 10, 11, or 12. But with with the way that it was, I, I felt like it had to be a significant drop. I have Oklahoma at 17, up from 19, Wisconsin 18, Tulane 19, all of these teams moving up slightly from where I had them in the preseason. At 20, I have Texas A&M up from 24, 21 North Carolina up from 25, and rounding out my top 25, I have CU at 22, Ole Miss 23, Duke 24, and Clemson 25. In total, three teams fell out completely. Three teams jump in. A lot of movement, but I try and not be too drastic. You know, I I don't want to overreact too much. Like I wasn't all of a sudden gonna put CU in the top ten or something like that, but they beat the number 20 team in my poll in their own building. They dropped out. Enough teams fell out that I thought what they did offensively was enough to to put them in. No Mountain West representation. That was the toughest one for me. I almost dropped out Clemson altogether and put Fresno State at 25. I think you can make a strong argument for Iowa as well. But that's where I'm at as of right now. We'll see how things shake up after week two. Not going to go through it all again, but my top 10, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Florida State, Ohio State, Penn State, USC, Washington, Tennessee, and Utah. All right, that's all I have for today. We'll have more content coming up. CSU men's basketball schedule was released earlier. Probably going to talk about that tomorrow. Give an update on CSU football, women's soccer, continuing the best start in program history. Volleyball responded with a win after a couple of tough losses. So we've got a lot to talk about these next couple of days. Make sure you tune in to DNVR Rams Live on Thursday, 9.30 a.m. DNVR Sports YouTube. Of course, I'll upload the audio straight into the feed if you just want to listen audio only like normal. Uh, Nate Krekman, Altitude Radio, will be joining me. He does some work with the Mountain West, so I'm really looking forward to getting his perspective on CSU, on the conference as a whole, and uh, who knows what else we may dive into. They have some fun over on Kreckman and Lindahl, so we'll try and have some fun as well. Shout out to all you for supporting the content. Much love, y'all. Proud to be. Peace. I told you I'd be the greatest MC that there ever was, eh. But what you say if I told you that I could take a bunch of kids from the bottom and bring them the number one, And eh. But what you say if I told you a nobody, then the rockin' for a sold-out crowd, damn, that shit is crazy, probably never make it, Were you listening to that right now. I said we on now.